the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Brian, can you describe waivers to me? Like, in what way? Like, the process of waivers, or you, how in-depth are we going here? Do you understand what constitutes a waiver-exempt player versus a non-waiver-exempt yes. player? Yes, I learned that this year. I am proud to say. Okay, good. See, it's, I know it's not... I want to uh, I want to start today off by discussing waivers and just kind of going over real quick what actually constitute waivers and what impacts that have because uh, it's a... Uh, it's a fair question. It's not the easiest thing to understand, and obviously it's something that's going to come up. We may see a result of that tomorrow, and we're recording this on Monday, if uh, Jamie Ben is indeed uh, healthy enough to play tomorrow and the Stars have to send a player down to the minors to make a move, waivers will come into, could potentially come into play. So, a quick waivers 101, and I wanted to give everyone their... The first thing I want to make clear to everyone, and I think the biggest misconsumption, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, is people assume a player's contract status determines waivers. People assume that a two-way contract means a guy is not waiver-exempt. Is that fair? That's fair to say because up until, I don't know, like two years ago, that's what I thought, too. Yeah, that's, and that's, the, it's, that's the biggest misconception with waivers, where if a guy is on a two-way contract, he doesn't have to go through waivers. A... One-way or two-way contract has nothing to do with waivers. Essentially, a one-way contract means a player is paid one way, whether he's in the AHL or the NHL. A two-way contract means he's paid one way in the NHL, a second way, whether and, and a second way, a lower pay grade when he's in the minors. That's what a one-way and two-way contract determine. It doesn't have anything to do with waivers. It doesn't have anything to do with um, where a guy's placed, it just it basically is your pay grade from where you are. It's be like if you were you were working at your it's it's like working at your company. It's like working at a company where you're told, hey, this job when you're working at this level of a job, you make this much. When you're down at this level, you make this much. That's what one way and two way contract is. Waivers are essentially a system. Um, Waivers, waivers is a system that's put in place to allow players to stay in the NHL. It protects the players to stay in the NHL, and it's a system where when a guy is placed on waivers, in order for him to clear, he gets play, has to be placed on waivers at noon on a... Uh, so say, say the Stars wanted to send someone down to the AHL tomorrow on Tuesday. Um, if they wanted to send a guy who is not waiver-exempt down, they would have had to place him on waivers at noon today, noon Eastern, and he would have had to go 24 hours. And during that time, all the other 29 NHL teams, and next season all 30, when Las Vegas in, would have had a right to put a claim in, and he would have had to basically somebody would have had a proof to say he's still an NHL player. Waivers is put in place to keep the players safe and keep them in the NHL. With that being said, there's a couple factors that go into waivers, but um, for example, it depends on when a, when a player signs, how old he is when he signs, um, but typically um, it comes down to if a player signs at 18, he has five years or 160 NHL games until he is a uh, waiver uh, he, for five years and 100, or 160 NHL games, whichever comes first, he is uh He's waiver exempt. If he if he signs at twenty or later, it's three years or seventy NHL games that you're waiver exempt. And then once you hit either of those thresholds, all of a sudden you have to go through waivers. 
Now, I just wanted to go through all of this, Ryan, because of the fact that we're going to see the Stars may have to send a player down to the AHL tomorrow, um, Tuesday, to get Jamie Benn on the roster. If that is the case, that means there are only four players on this. There are only four players on the Stars roster who are waiver exempt. Um, do, you, do you know if you if I was to give you with the criteria I've just gone over? Do you know who those four are? Well, yeah, because I literally just saw your tweets. So. Yes. But for yeah, so it's would you have known the would you I mean would you have known those four without the magic of Twitter? Um, I knew Lyndall Johns and uh, Devin Shore just because of the length that we talked about this this year. Plus Johns having been sent, I didn't know off the top of my head that Johns was coming into the year, but then they sent him down so earlier, so that was a uh, obviously that was a dead giveaway there. But I wouldn't have guessed Radic Fox just because. Yeah, if you Fox. don't think about Radic Fox as a guy who would be waiver exempt just because I mean he's established himself as an everyday NHL player. Yeah, Fox is uh, is waiver exempt because he signed at eighteen. He signed his contract at eighteen, so he has he has five seasons till he is uh, five seasons or one hundred sixty NHL games, and he's currently at ninety eight NHL games, and so he will no next year he will no longer he'll be uh, waiver eligible next season. But he's he's the guy who signed since he signed at eighteen. Um, that's why he is now. Uh, he still has one more season until he's waiver exempt. Fox is not going down. It's just a. No one think that Fox is not going down. It's just a fact that he is waiver exempt. Um, Johns, I think, confused a lot of people when he went down initially because I think it went back to that contract situation. Since he's mm-hmm. on a one way contract, people when he got sent down, I think some people were confused of why he could be sent down on a one way contract. Right. Essentially, what it meant with Johns was when he was sent down that those two games he spent in the AHL, and whether he's sent to the if he's sent to the AHL soon or whenever he, he makes the same amount of money, he gets he still gets that NHL paycheck whether he's in the AHL or the NHL. That's what the one way contract uh, sets up for him, and that's kind of I think that may have been, and that's and I'm sure that was a big discussion when he signed that deal before this season where. The stars say, "Hey, you're part of the team," and I'm sure John's and his agent counter, or or there there's some negotiation comes along and says, "You know what? We want proof that proof that that he's part of this team. He's proof of the thong." And when by signing him to a one way contract, the NHL club says, "You know what? You're making NHL money no matter what this season." It doesn't promise him to stay on the NHL roster because he, who know, for all we know, he could be sent to the AHL, and he he theoretically, and I'm not saying this can happen, but he theoretically could spend the rest of the season in the AHL and still make an NHL paycheck for the rest of the season. So I just wanted to start off with waivers, just go over a quick waivers 101 there, just because I realize it's a confusing situation, and it's a uh, it's a situation that very much could come into play. If it doesn't come into play tomorrow, it'll come into play sooner than later because the Stars are going to have to make a decision with uh, with Jamie Benn coming off IR sooner than later to uh, to make sure they have... Uh, a roster compliant with NHL rules. I didn't know you wanted to comment there. Sorry, <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Oh, good. Fun, fun. Excellent. Well, no, that's, I mean, it's true because, I mean. Well, it, that was more of my, that wasn't really more of a, I mean, I accept that wasn't a discussion. That was more of me ranting and giving kind of, just kind of right. get, getting a, a record out there of what that is because I think it is a confusing situation that, is not, uh, I understand it too. If you look at it and, and you think of a guy's contract, I mean, I understand why it's confusing where people think two-way contract means he's waiver exempt. It doesn't have anything to do with that, but 
mm-hmm. I just wanted to go over that to uh, since that is going to come up, it could come up in the next twenty four hours. Right, and typically you don't get the. There's not a ton of overlap there with it. Is when you have like Stephen Jones on a one way contract, who's still a waiver exempt guy, because usually those guys, if they're signing a one way contract that young, they're typically someone who's never going to be sent to the minors under any circumstances whatsoever. Like you look at Connor McDavid and. Mm-hmm. Two years when he signs his fat new contract and becomes one of the five highest paid players in the NHL, he's still going to be a waiver exempt guy because he signed at 18. Yeah. So, but they're not sending Connor McDavid to the minors. No, so exactly. That's why. That's why you don't ever get that overlap because guys who have one way deals within their first, whenever they're still waiver exempt, depending on when they sign, are guys who typically aren't getting sent down to the minors. Yeah, and it's in the same a similar thing as that we're seeing right now. That's why you have to find the loopholes. Another quick. Uh, cap roster CBA thing, which I, which I had to learn quite a bit about covering the AHL. Um, Patrick Nemeth, who is uh, with the AHL team right now in a conditioning stint, he's technically listed, and this is kind of weird. He, you don't get a roster spot because of him. Mm-hmm. So he, like, if you look at the game from the St. Louis Blues on Saturday night, he's Patrick Nemeth is listed as a scratch, even though he played for the Texas Stars that night. Right. Um, so. Because of uh, he's on a conditioning stint, which means essentially in the quick conditioning stint 101 after waiver 101, conditioning stint is you get 14 consecutive days where a player can spend uh, a player can spend 14 consecutive days in the AHL in the minors. Technically, theoretically, you could do a conditioning stint in the ECHL if you wanted to, but um, you could spend 14 consecutive days in the minors, um, and you can get one non-injury related conditioning stint a season. And so that's what the Stars are doing with Patrick Nemeth right now. They did it last year with him. They did it with Jamie Alexeyek last year as well, where there's a stretch where the Stars have eight games and uh, eight games in 14 days, so Patrick Nemeth can go down there and play. It's something the Stars actually, I talked to Jim Nill the other day about it. They had been looking to try and, they've been looking for about six weeks to find kind of a good stretch to send Patrick Nemeth down. because, uh, but they didn't want to do it in early December when the Texas Stars had a lighter schedule. It was all about kind of getting as many games as possible. Right, uh, try to maximize the value of that. Yeah, and speaking of which, and now we'll segue to another topic with that. And I understand it's the face value of uh, the face value of sending Patrick Nemeth down is get him playing, get his confidence going, everything like that. But Ryan, doesn't that scream trade showcase for the other? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. How did I know that's where you were going with that? Yes. So it, it's we, we talked about this at one point this year with um, probably in regards to one of these two guys that it's really hard to get these guys trading because they're not playing. You know, mm-hmm. teams don't get you're they're not getting a fresh look at these guys, and then you have that sitting in every scout has that sitting in the back of their head. Then, well, this guy's not playing on a team that struggles defensively, so what's wrong with that, or what's wrong with him? So. Yeah, absolutely. It's a way to get him out there, get him playing again. But at the same time, if you're trying to move him, gives everyone a little fresh look at him. And, it, and it's a chance to see him. And I mean, as as we said, eight games, fourteen days for the Texas Stars. He Nemeth came down and actually had a goal and an assist in his first game with uh, <laughs> with Texas. Um, he was. I watched the video of that game. He was. He was a little rusty. Uh, it was one of those games where the goal and the assists make the game sound better than it actually was because he was a little bit rusty, but it was also his first game since since Christmas, um, since mm-hmm. two days before Christmas when they played the Kings. Um, but if he can 
play well, if he can be, if he can play 20, 24, 25 minutes a night for the Texas Stars, say, say they were, uh, and this is hypothetical, this is not, I don't have anything, any insight in this, but um, they're, they played this, they played Columbus, they played Columbus's affiliate this past weekend. They played Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland Monsters this past weekend. And back to back games there, Nemeth played big minutes. There's quite a few Blue Jacket scouts in attendance. Um, maybe it's one of those things where you never know. Maybe when the Blue Jacket scout gets, uh, gets the phone on the line with, uh, uh, what is, uh, Yarmo? Yarmo, yeah. With, when it gets on the line with Yarmo and says, hey, we need to look into this. I mean, it's, it just, I think there's, it could set up some, set up nicely for the stars to, I don't want to say rid themselves of the Patrick Nemeth situation because I think he's a good hockey player who is getting, who's gotten a bad rap because of the organization, how he's been used, but essentially rid them of the situation to open up and, it, or better, better yet, allows Patrick Nemeth to rid himself of the Dallas Stars situation where Patrick mm-hmm. Nemeth gets a chance to essentially reset his career after what's kind of been a lost two and a half years between started with the injury and mm-hmm. then. And he was playing very well before the injury. It was just a complete freak mm-hmm. injury. Um, mm-hmm. And then it just kind of has been buried by, as they've continued to add defensemen, and he's just the one who keeps who gets buried. Right. You're talking about a guy who's kind of in hockey limbo right now. And, I mean, we're not even talking about, like you mentioned Columbus there. I mean, I think Patrick Nemeth would, Nemeth would be a nice I don't even think he'd be considered a rental player. I don't remember. Let me check his contract status. He'll be he, he'll be, be in an RFA. He'll be an RFA yeah, this summer. So he's not even necessarily a rental player, but he's a nice guy that you can add to your bottom pairing if you're if you have an injury or if your you know sixth defenseman isn't playing up to what you think that he could be playing, or he's even as a guy who can be your seventh defenseman who's not necessarily going to cost you a lot. And he's an upside. He's a guy. It's an upside play. You know he trade a third round pick or whatever and you get a guy who has some upside to him mm-hmm. who can help you right now and he's, he's a guy i think can play right away and i think he's a guy who can for whatever team i think there's lots of teams that need i mean that same division you're telling me patrick nemeth couldn't be a, couldn't get big couldn't play more minutes for the defense that detroit has like oh right absolutely like i mean and we know jim nil knows everything that's in the detroit system so mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a move that I, I personally I just I think it sets up well that conditioning stint. It'd be nice to see that set up a potential move and potentially kind of rid ourselves of this situation of uh, and, right. and, and kind yeah. of be a fresh start. Right from Dallas's perspective, then it gives you a lot more roster flexibility. Oh, completely. Especially if uh, especially and they're not going to make a trade. I mean, I could be wrong because who knows? Trades could always happen. And I could be completely wrong, but. They, theoretically, I guess, if the Stars made that trade tomorrow, they could bring Jamie Benn off IR and there'd be no issues. Right. Uh, it's, yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's, I don't, Here, here's, an, here's another thing. Going back to your waivers exempt thing real quick. Mm-hmm. If, you ever, if you're listening to this and you ever have a waivers question, don't tweet it at someone and ask them. Go to Cap Friendly and look at it because they have things next to players' names who are waiver exempt. It's a very good tool, actually. It's a, it's a beautiful tool. You can do you can you'll go here to see if someone's waiver exempt, and you'll end up getting lost for four and a half hours doing random stuff on this. Yeah, and you can sort it by team too, and you can. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a very valuable tool, actually. 
Mm-hmm. They got a bunch of other fun calculators on there too. You could go into quite a wormhole. Um, yeah, they have a. They still have a draft. The expansion draft tool on this thing too, so you can go and have hours worth of fun with that thing. Yeah, it's a uh, expansion draft. We've talked about that before. That is a that's a tool that you can lose an entire day in just going yeah. through, not even making your picks first, just going through and protecting players. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> it's a it's a uh, so those were the things I wanted to get off my chest to start the day. Um, I also have something I want to get into. Uh, there's tonight the uh, Stars play their 41st game of the season. Ryan, they play in Los Angeles tonight is game 41, mm-hmm. which is, uh, if my math is correct, that is the exact halfway point of the season after tonight. Your math would be your math would be correct on that. So tomorrow morning, if you listen to this on Monday. They have 40 points right now. Tomorrow will be Tuesday, January 10th. The Stars could have anywhere from 40 to 42 points. I have a way that I, w- I was thinking about this when I was driving home. I was, I was skating earlier today, and I was, uh, I was thinking about this on my ride home from, uh, from Brent Severn's drop-in skate today, where here's the simple way. I have a simple way for Stars fans to watch the rest of this season, which requires a bit less hair pulling. Are you ready for this? Okay. You just need to count down the season from 57 points. I think if you go through, you don't look, don't look at the rest of the scenes right now. It can be infuriating. If you go through and you look at the rest of the, if you go through and you look at the standings and you try and keep track of what Vancouver did, what Nashville did, what Winnipeg did, what LA did, what Calgary did, you're going to, you're just going to, your head's going to spin and you're going to try and figure out too much. Essentially, I think it's going to take 97 points to make the playoffs. That might be okay. that might be a little higher, but so essentially the Stars need 57 points. So if you're a Stars fan and you want a simple way to watch the rest of this season, just keep a, a tracker, 57, just 57 points. So if they win tonight in LA, drop that 57 to 55. All of a sudden they need 55 points. If they win tomorrow, if they win tonight and they win tomorrow, that drops down to 53. It becomes a that's that's at least the way I'm looking at it because it's so basically basically you're just counting up to 97. I'm basically counting up to 97 because I think at 97 points they're a playoff team. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they they sure caught a break that the West is a little bit worse off than it was last year that this year so far. Mm-hmm. And and I think I mean, yeah, granted they're a part of that too, but they're they're a part of that. But and and I think the uh, the Western Conference it's not going to be. Uh, I don't think because last year Minnesota got in with 87, I believe. I don't think 87 is going to be the bottom. I don't think that's going to be the last team to get in. I think the last team to get in is going to be closer to 93, 94. But I think 97 is the number you count towards because if you miss it by two, you might be okay. <laughs> but yeah. and if you go over it, you should be in good shape. And if you reach 97 points, if you reach 97 points and you miss the playoffs. You know what? It would still be a hell of a second half of the season, and then it would be, and then you would build towards the following season. But I mean, you look at it this way: if you look at the West right now, and granted, just doubling the first half to the second half isn't an exact science because mm-hmm. teams get hot and cold at yes. certain points in the season. But I mean, if you look at the West right now, there's only three teams that are on pace for 100 points. Yes. This season. And I believe uh, L.A., who the Stars play tonight, who would be the playoff wildcard team if the uh, 
who would be the second wild card team if the playoffs started today. And they've also played 40 games. It seems they would be at, if I double their point total, um, they would be at 88, but that would be through 80 games. So if, if say we give LA, say we give LA just two points, just whether it's tonight or tomorrow, they just say they get one other, we'll make it 45 points. You're looking at 90 points right now. Theoretically is the team, um, the pace for the second wild card team right mm-hmm. now is the, is the pace for it. Yeah. So, hold on. Let me, uh, I'm going to try to do some math here. I don't know how I'm going to, Never mind. I'm not, I'll do this math later. I was just, I was going to see the wreck. What wreck? Hold on. This isn't that hard to do. Why am I making this a lot harder than it needs to be? We're doing a lot of math on this podcast today. All right. So you're looking at, you said, we're going to say 56. Is 28 wins out of 41 games. So basically, the Stars need to go 28 and 13 over the over the second half of the season. Ah. They don't. Okay, yes, they do, but they don't have to go 28 and 13. You can go 20. But that gets you to your 97. Yes, well, yeah, yeah. you can go like 20. You can go like 25, 10, and six or something like that i, I mean the, the, the stars have eight overtime losses well who says they won't get another eight yeah, overtime losses ryan i mean come on <laughs> that's fair point fair point unless they theoretically can learn from their overtime mistakes and turn eight overtime yeah i was gonna say if you can if they haven't learned by now i don't think that i think that ship's kind of sailed i agree they still they still don't have a shootout yet this year believe it or not that's impressive it's it's not impressive actually. It's it's no because teams well, are teams right. are teams are beating them that quickly. Yeah, that's yeah. When you look at it from that way, they're bad on the road too. I think they, five five of nineteen road games. They've been really bad on the road, and this is a uh, and they're the only team. Uh, side note: they're the only team in the league without a shootout so far. Uh, which you can yeah. read into that however you want, but the road is where they need they need to be a lot better on the road. They're. They lost in St. Louis the other night with about, what was it, about a minute and a half left when St. Yep. Louis scored to take the lead. It was mm-hmm. a good road game to start. And then you f- it, it feels kind of like a wasted effort in games where Lori Korpakoski and, and is, is starting and give, giving you the spark and scoring on breakaways when you don't win games like that. Right. Those are frustrating losses because those you're not supposed to get sparks like that from players like that, and you're supposed to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, this is a team playing without their captain, who is, who we have said we've said a couple times, let the record show on this podcast that we we have not believed he's been fully healthy. And I know the foot injury is something that we we saw actually happen, but I think this him resting is also a chance to rest up what other what what other ailments might be hiding um, that that uh, that he doesn't want to admit exists because he hasn't been the same player. Um, Personally, I don't think uh, I wouldn't play him tomorrow night against Anaheim. I know this. I mean, I know if say the Stars lose to LA tonight, you start getting a little bit panicky, and I don't know, maybe. But I think the biggest issue that you need to the Stars have had with injuries is rushing guys back, and I think you need yes, you need to learn from that, and you need to wait until even if he comes back Thursday. All of a sudden, that would be uh, I believe that would be. Ten, a little over ten days off from him, I so think. Sounds about right. So, I don't think he should play tomorrow night. I think it's better for the long run to have him 
to have him. Yeah, the thirty first was when he got hurt. So tomorrow would be tomorrow if he miss if he uh, if he doesn't play tomorrow, that would be ten days, ten straight days without playing a game. Um, so I would personally not play him tomorrow. Um, you got to you got to ask what benefits you more in the long run. Exactly. Playing Jamie Ben tomorrow night if the stars happen to lose to L.A. or giving him an extra couple of days to get himself right. Yep. Because if you've got Jamie Ben, Jamie Ben is Jamie Ben from the last two years, then the stars will be in pretty, will be in a lot better shape over the second half of the season than they were in the first half of the season. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, he's, he's shown in the past that he can be, he can turn it on in the second half. So mm-hmm. you, you, you need that to, uh, to, uh, to kind of cultivate into something, hopefully, if you, once he's healthy. Um, the uh, Someone asked this question, and we've talked about the expansion draft a bit before, but I just wanted to pose this question to you. This is um, from uh, Philip King, who is, his Twitter handle is KingPhil311. Um, he asked, uh, the Stars players... What stars players think most likely taking the expansion draft and how it affects trades for us? Um, we've talked about who we think would be taking the expansion draft. I've been pretty adamant that I think the stars have to protect Valerie Nachushkin, who was just named a KHL All Star, actually. <laughs> that they uh, they have to pr- protect Val Nachushkin, and I, th- I think you're you're looking at uh, possibly the likes. You're making a decision possibly between Cody Eakin, Antoine Roussel, Brett Ritchie, who of those three to. To, to, to leave unprotected and maybe a Dan Hamhuis is available. So we, we've talked before about who we think would be taking an expansion, but the, the part is how it affects trades. Now, and it's going to affect trades. It's going to affect the NHL, the expansion draft is, but I want to pose that to you, Ryan. What trades do you think, how, what trades do you think will start to happen or what moves do you think will start to happen Obviously, sooner than later now, with the trade deadline about a little under two months away, where we'll, we'll where our immediate reaction will be, well, that's a that's an expansion draft related trade. The only I feel like Dallas is in a position where they're where the where they're they're not one of those teams where they have to move a guy or risk losing him in the expansion draft. In terms, and we're not talking about them losing a guy who'd be so who's so valuable that they would want to trade him to risk not risk losing him for nothing. Cause obviously, I mean, obviously you don't want to lose anyone for nothing, mm-hmm. but Dallas isn't going to end up losing a player. Sands, maybe Val Nichuskin, if they don't protect him, that they can, that they would be necessarily be sitting there saying we need to move this guy right now or else we're going to lose him for nothing. I don't think that there's a guy on this roster. And I mean, we can talk, I mean, we have talked before and I mean, I don't want to get too far into it, but yeah. I mean, you look like, you look at a guy like Cody Eakin, like I, the way he's played this year, I feel like he's played himself into being unprotected. To be completely honest, I agree with that. When I, th- you I th- consider his when you consider his contract, when you consider what else they have down the middle, who would be? I mean, you're not losing. You would be significantly cheaper for honestly, probably a little bit of an uptick in production. And I don't know. Maybe Cody Eakin has a great second half, but just based on the first half, I feel like we're talking about a guy who's played his way into being unprotected. So, I mean, that maybe makes things more simple. But if we're just talking about expansion draft trades, I feel like the only trade that Dallas makes in regards to the expansion draft is if they're plucking someone from someone somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury or not even necessarily Ben Bishop. And, I mean, we're this is once again going in the thing that I don't 
know how they're going to trade for a goalie. But, I mean, that's just an example. I feel like the only trade the Stars make in mm-hmm. regards to expansion draft jostling beforehand is if they're getting someone from someplace else. And also letting Cody, and this is looking far ahead, exposing Cody Eakin. And I think Cody Eakin would be a very attractive option for Vegas to take because, A, he's a center with a uh, – he's make 3.85, I believe, is his, is his average cap hit. And yes. he's a player that would be – he's 25. And for Vegas, you look at his numbers and you look at what he's done in the past and you say, you know what, we can uh, definitely worth – be in our second or third line center. I think that's For sure. because I don't, I don't know how many other second or third line center, most players who qualify as first as top nine centers probably are going to be protected. Let's just be honest with that. That's top, top nine centers are very rarely un, are, are not going to be just freely given away. Um, the other thing too, you have, and stars aren't in a major cap crunch right now, but you have next season, and they're gonna. It's not gonna be big, big raises. But you have Radic Foxa, Matthias Janmark, and Brett Ritchie all RFAs next year. Mm-hmm. And now Matthias Janmark, obviously, that's a whole nother. We don't know if he's gonna play ever again. I'd love. To, I, 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 I don't like saying that, but we don't know if Matthias Janmark. Right. We don't. This thing is a lot more murky than just a simple torn ACL. Exactly. Um, but, but even if we look at Foxa and. You look at Erratic Fox and a Brett Ritchie. Brett Ritchie continues. Brett Ritchie's only 23. Fox is only 23. They continue to play the way they've played. And Brett Ritchie could be your your third leading scorer by the end of this year, a bit was mm-hmm. the way he's played. And Fox is a player who you look at as a legitimate, elite, potentially elite shutdown center in the NHL. You're looking at a point where maybe you can take some of that $3.85 million that's going to Cody Eakin. If that comes off your books, you can start looking into – locking them in for a cheaper instead of giving them the bridge deal giving them something a little bit longer um and a little bit more money now that would look like a bargain two years from now right but isn't that kind of what they did with cody as well i i know i agree i'm just i'm saying you take you take a you essentially it's trading i'm not saying a mistake but essentially it's trading one one risk you took for another risk yeah for sure and that's and, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves on that. That's something that is going to be we're going to we're going to see. We still have to see the first shoe drop on the uh, expansion. And I think I think the first thing that's going to happen with the expansion draft is the Penguins are. I think everyone is waiting for uh, for the Penguins to make their first move. I think I think all of the G, I think no one wants to no one wants to make a move and change the market value or change anything before some, the shoe drops and Marc-Andre Fleury is moved. I think a lot of GMs are being patient and waiting for that to happen. Well, you know what? If they're waiting for that to happen, I honestly think they're going to end up waiting until after the season. Which is possible. It's completely possible. Because I mean, Matt, Matt Murray's injury completely changes everything with that. Yes, it does. Because when he, he, came, back, he came back after he, w- he had his off-season surgery or whatever he was dealing with in the off-season, and he came back and he was playing great. And he got hurt a couple weeks ago, and they don't know how long he's going to be out. The only thing I've seen on it is week to week. Mm-hmm. And if week to week suddenly is taking you into February, do you really think that they're going to trade Marc-Andre Fleury with Matt Murray having three to five weeks just being fresh and a guy who's not played consistently healthy so far this season? I don't, I don't see how they trade him this year. I don't see how they – for a team that has Stanley Cup aspirations, I don't see how 
Pittsburgh ends up going into the playoffs with Matt Murray, who's missed significant time with injury this year, and goalie Z. And they don't have uh, uh, Mike Condon they traded away already, right? No, they send him to Ottawa. Yeah, because they claimed him and then traded him, right? Yes. Okay. Because... That was actually a good move they, by that was a good move by Pittsburgh gonna, at the time. Gonna, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, you ended up getting like a sixth round pick out of it for yeah. free. But yeah, they, it was in a it was a situation where they were going to have to put him back on waivers. So they're like, well, we're just going to trade him because Montreal. In that case, Montreal would have claimed him anyway because Montreal would have been able to send him to the AHL if uh, yes. if no one else had claimed him. Quick other quick other waivers one on one. If a guy clears waivers and is claimed and then goes back on waivers again within thirty days, the original team can claim him and send him to the AHL. The more you know. <laughs> there you go. So, um, the uh, it's a. Uh, I think you're right. Actually, the more I think about it, I think I think Flurry may not be moved until after the playoffs are over. Um, it may not be moved until may not be moved until after. Uh, Obviously, Matt, if, if Matt Murray comes back and is healthy, say Matt Murray came back tomorrow, all of a sudden things change. But right, I, I think that's a fair way to put at it. To put it, where the Penguins may hold everyone, the Penguins may hold everyone hostage, and then we may see a couple moves done right before the deadline, where GMs didn't want to make those, but they were waiting because they were hoping maybe a shoe would drop with Pittsburgh and kind of kick things going and get things going. Because right and. For the, I mean, for the longest time, too, everyone was expecting Anaheim to be the catalyst with that for moving Cam Fowler. And then he started the season with them, and they weren't in a hurry to move him because Hampus Lindholm still hadn't signed. Mm-hmm. And then even after Lindholm still signed, they were like, well, we're just going to keep Cam Fowler because they had to put um, to prey on long-term IR. So they ended up not having that cap issue anyway. And Cam Fowler played well. So now they're like, well, what's our motivation to trade him? I think it's just it's going, and it it doesn't help too that no one has cap space. Mm-hmm. Very few teams have. I mean, you're looking. You're a couple of teams are going to end up in the negative, and they're going to have that taken off next year because of bonus overages. Like Chicago, Chicago got that bad this year, and they just they just locked. Don't they have? Doesn't Chicago have like seven no move clauses? Like Chicago has no choice yeah. of who they get to protect. I think yeah, Chicago is. Let me. I'm pretty sure Chicago is pretty much locked in with that and it's a bunch of high price guys yeah they have kane taves hosa anisimov at forward plus seabrook keith jalmerson and well brian campbell's a free agent after the year so he's he's relevant to this mm-hmm. but yeah they have and then crawford too so i mean obviously they're gonna i feel like they're gonna protect crawford anyway but that's what do you think of Scott? Three, what you, three defensemen, five forwards. Yeah, I think if you, they do three defensemen. So yeah, so they're basically going to end up having to leave. Well, then I'm guessing they're protecting Panarin. Yeah. So I mean, they're going to get a pretty good player. Some they're going to get a pretty good player from Chicago. Then they could I get mean, they could get Scott Darling. They, yeah, they could get Scott Darling. They could get Marcus Kruger. That's Ryan a, Hartman. That's an interesting. No, I don't think Ryan Hartman's. Ryan Hartman's. I don't. I think he's going to be exempt from that. Ryan Hartman scored a hat trick yesterday. What we had two empty netters. That was, yes, that was weird. I saw that. That was that was kind of funny actually. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago's pretty much locked up with who they're protecting. The Hartman. It was pretty funny. I saw a couple headlines where, like, you know, just like the generic headline where someone looks at the box score and says, uh, "Ryan Ryan Hartman leads the Blackhawks to a to victory with a 
or with a uh, with a hat trick. I mean, he had two he had two empty net goals. <laughs> Natural hat trick with two empty net goals. Like, yeah. Someone at Elias Sports Bureau needs to get cranking to find out how many times that's happened in NHL history. Yeah, it's if they haven't already. I wonder if anyone's ever done it with uh, with just three straight empty net goals. That's I, I'm curious if that's ever happened. I doubt it, but it, I'm just wonder. I don't know. I mean, you could definitely have three empty net. You could legitimately have three empty net goals scored in a game. You could, yeah. If, but but I mean, it, 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 but wouldn't be it hard for it to be a. Uh, the other team would probably have to score in between to make that happen. Right. Yeah. I don't think you'd get a natural hat trick with empty net goals, but you definitely could. It could happen. Yeah. If you Patrick Watt it and pull your goalie with ten minutes left in the third period when you're down by three goals. Yeah, it's a uh, that's a good trivia question. I don't know the answer to that. Hmm. I don't even know how to find that out. Yeah. Speaking of the Blackhawks, and I was, what, what do you think of? Uh, do you think Scott Darling becomes a target that gets moved after the season, similar in the kind of that flurry mold? He's a UFA after the year, so I mean, he might get moved, but it's going to be for a fifth round pick just to get his rights negotiated. I think you're going to. See- I, think he, I think he'd be an interesting target for Las Vegas, but they're. I mean, cause especially as a backup goalie, but they're going to end up with a pretty good starting goalie. They There's will. going to be a pretty good starting goalie available to them. I think. So. I think personally, I think Scott Darling would be a good fit for the Stars, but I just the problem is we go back to just the. There's just the there's this the log jam that's there right now, with. Uh, with the contracts of Kari Lutton and Antti Niemi. Right. And once again, we have we have defended Carlin and Antonimi on this podcast. I'm just looking purely at their their contract. We we all mm-hmm. agree it's not a good contract. It's not good, and it's just um, right. But right. He, he's a guy who would be well worth the uh, if you say you had one of them as a UFA next season, and you had the opportunity to to go after that. That's something you, I would look into. Or, I mean, either way, too. I mean, I feel like. Yeah, I don't want to get into this right now. We'll end up getting into it later. Yeah, we, we certainly will. We definitely will. Um, we, we mentioned him slightly in the uh, talking about guy who could be protected. Um, somebody asked, uh, Mike uh, Mflow99 on Twitter asked, how would things have been different if uh, Val had stayed? Sorry, hold on. I just had two worlds collide for me real quick. Two worlds? I still, Yeah, I still have... Um, the USA Hockey Magazine Twitter is still linked up to my iPad from when I interned there. And they tweeted out something about Mitch McLean. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Because I just got a notification for it, and I was really confused because I'm like, did I tweet that out? Or did – what is happening here? Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, if Val stayed, I don't really know because I feel like if Val stayed, Yuri Hoodler – probably wouldn't be on the team, which I mean, not that Yuri Hoodler's made the huge impact because he missed most of the first half because <laughs> some, I don't remember who tweeted it at who I, someone tweeted it either. It was either you or Heike. They tweeted about Yuri Hoodler and they were like, well, in fairness, he was clinically dead for most of the first half. That was that someone, someone tweeted at me about that. I can't remember who I had. I, I had made. I had pointed out the statistically true fact that the fact that uh, they had the stars were fielding a fourth line of Patrick Sharp, Cody Eakin, and Yuri Hoodler that couldn't outscore Jamie Alexiak. Yeah, <laughs> um, 
and someone did point out that also almost factually true, and maybe we maybe maybe he was because we still don't know what that disease was. Yuri Hoodler clinically dead. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine seeing that in an injury report? <laughs> just totally not like totally ironic. Just, just just clinically dead. <laughs> yeah. Yuri Hoodler clinically dead. Not in the lineup tonight. So I don't I don't know. That's a tough one to say because. Because Val has had a pretty good year in the KHL. He started off a little rough. He's had a pretty good year now. Yeah, he's dealt, but, with, a, he's dealt with a little bit of injury, but that, I mean, who knows if that would have happened here or not. Who cares? But he's dealt with minor, minor injury. Um, he's in the All-Star game over there, which good for him, but the All-Star game is the fact it's not really uh, – statistically, he's not really – it's not like you look and say All-Star numbers, but still he's playing games. He is playing a bigger role, and – I think, and I, I, I've hammered this point home before, and I'm just going to say it again because I think it's really important. People need to look at him. People need to stop looking at Falnachushkin as a lost cause. People need to just look at him like a prospect playing in Europe. And we've we've both hammered that away before, but yeah. I'm just going to say it one more time is that because it's I think it is something that you need to, if you go and look at him as a lost cause and he's gone out of the system, the Stars still have his rights for seven years. So it's not like he can do... It's not like if he even wanted to pull a move like Alexander Radulov pulled on Nashville, he'd have to spend, he'd have to do it in seven years. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that pretty much hammers the point home is that's just the best way to look at it. But he's basically, he did, I don't know how to describe this really to make it sound funny, but it's basically like he was John Klingberg before John Klingberg came over or Gurionov or whoever you want to say, just Mm -hmm. Basically, you're best served for getting that Valnishuskin ever played in Dallas. Just pretend that he's still in Russia. Yeah. He's, he was in Russia after he got drafted, and he's just stayed there. Speaking of Garyanov, he was uh, – talk about a, a nice way to end uh, World Junior for him. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, he had, had a great last couple of games. He was dominant in the medal round. I mean, he was – I thought he was a little bit slow to start in a couple of games. He had a uh, – we talked about it during Junior how he had uh, – he had a couple shifts where he we had a couple shifts early in the tournament where you were like he looks like a uh, he looks he looks like a guy who's playing against uh, the he's he looks like he's he's above the level of competition and he had a couple shifts like that and then as you got to the medal round he looks like that every time he stepped on the ice he had his breakaway or his just. I guess break no pun intended. Breakaway speed on that breakaway he scored in overtime was phenomenal. Oh yeah, right. It forced the turnover that came in and scored. It was was, was he, he's the kid's fast. He can that really was an elite. That was an elite level yeah. hockey play. And you even saw he had the and obviously no one's going to catch him in the. You look at the semifinal game against the U.S. where uh, if not for uh, if not for uh, for Terry being the American hero. Mm-hmm. Gurionov has Russia in the championship game. Um, yeah. He's got scores twice, one goal. He scores off kind of being that hard, going hard to the right area, finishing a playoff. Um, scores another goal as well, um, and then he scores. And then they call on him twice in the shootout. and He scores on both of his opportunities in the shootout. Yeah, um, actually, surprised. I was surprised they didn't have him shoot a third time in the shootout because he. Yeah, I was shocked to be completely honest because especially with especially with uh i take a look back to uh when uh 
past Olympics, past world championships where the Russians have had Ovechkin take like six shots in a row. Yeah. Well, that's what they did against, uh, didn't they do that against the U.S. in 14 where they just alternated Datsuk and Ovechkin? Pretty much, yeah. And so I thought, I thought just with the fact that he had, the fact that Gurionov had come in and scored uh, on a pair of really nice wrist shots that, uh, mm-hmm. That Parsons had no business catching up to. I thought they would just go back to him again, but oh yeah, and it ended up working really well for Stars fans because Joseph Sassoni ended up going to the gold medal game and he played very well actually in the medal round. I thought he he played well the whole tournament. I feel like I mean he was a guy who we a couple weeks ago I will admit it we thought he wouldn't make the team and so mm-hmm. will uh, and I'll be he had a very good tournament. I think he's kind of proved himself as a very nice. He's not going to be a flashy guy, but he's a very good defensively sound prospect and played well on the penalty kill and i may have gone a little bit too far when i was joking in overtime during the uh, during the canada <laughs> during the uh, canada u.s overtime i was uh, i was i put the joke on twitter that uh it was half serious that so sony wouldn't score the game winning goal in overtime but watch out for that key shot blocker key key defensive zone clear and uh i can't remember what the response was but somebody's but somebody said something to me about that, and I said, "Well, the stars need defensemen who know how to clear the zone and block a shot in overtime." <laughs> yeah, <I hate> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy like he's basically Patrick Nemeth, but from the right side. Yeah, and hopefully they don't. Uh, hopefully he's handled correctly, for lack of a better word. Yeah. There. Well, he's got. I'm. He's, I feel like he's going to be a guy who plays. He's what he's a freshman at Michigan this he's year. He's a sophomore at Michigan, but he'll play. Uh, I, I think he'll play at least two more years there. I mean, he's a. Uh, He's a guy that's not worth rushing See, out. Yeah, that's true. I was gonna say he wouldn't surprise me if they, because yeah, he's not like, you know, you look at a guy like Jimmy VC, Justin Schultz, like he's not a guy who's gonna be who's gonna go there for four years and then test the free agent market. No, he's not that kind of guy. He's not that type of player. Um, he was uh, he was also dra- um, a fifth round pick, I think. Yeah, he's a fifth round pick as well. Um, stars just seem to get. <laughs> Stars something about that fifth round. And they get lucky with that fifth round. I know people say they call it the Stars' favorite round because Jamie Benn and John Klingberg came out of the fifth round. But let's be honest, they've gotten lucky in the fifth round. <laughs> the uh, yeah, that's um, that's always my uh, people call it great advanced scouting. But the argument always is, is if you thought this guy was going to be so good, why did you pass on him four times before that? Oh yeah, if you go and redraft, uh, what year was Jamie Benn drafted? He was redra- he was drafted in seven. Yeah, I think. If you go if you go and redraft the 07 draft, Jamie Ben doesn't make it to the fifth pick. No, exactly. Not, not, not nonetheless the fifth round. <laughs> right. And there's something to be said for, you know, we have this guy targeted as a potential late bloomer breakout type guy and no one else is really is really thinking too much about him so we can go ahead and pick other guys that we feel like have high upside and then we'll still still be available to us then. But yeah, he's I I think he definitely played his way onto the stars radar a little bit more. Yeah. He and this tournament. He and Carlstrom, I thought, both made a bit of a statement. Carlstrom was a Frederick Carlstrom who was started the tournament as the thirteenth forward for Sweden and didn't really play very much, but mm-hmm. kind of as the uh, I'm not sure if it was the same player in back to back games, but it seemed like when the Swedish coaching staff got disappointed or upset with a player, they'd move Carlstrom in and then he did a pretty good job and then he did a pretty good, and then he scored. Ended up with like I think two goals or a goal and a couple assists. So he ended up having, and that Swedish team is, they didn't they didn't medal. 
It's, it's hard to believe that Swedish team didn't medal, actually. Mm-hmm. But that was a, yeah. that's, that's not an easy team to make, and he was a pretty, did a pretty good job of uh, contributing there. Yeah, I mean, it's also hard to believe that Finland was playing in the relegation round, but... Yeah. Well, I would... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, yeah, go on, on the Finland. I was just going to say, I was kind of... As someone who covers the Stars, it would have been nice to see them at least dress Marcus Russo, but... Right. No, it was, other than him, and dude, really no fault of his own, it was a pretty good tournament for Stars prospects. I feel like it was. Andre Valla played pretty well for the Czechs. Mm-hmm. And Gurianov, he really had the type of tournament medal round that could really springboard him the second half of the season in yeah. texas yeah and you know what i think all of watching the and you know what if you want to get really uh going really butterfly effect <laughs> type thing I, I think that motivated riley tough to have his first point the other night of the season that's what i think <laughs> <laughs> there you go uh two nhl wide things i wanted to cover before we go uh first Tuesday, the Stars, the NHL will announce the roster for the All-Star game. Um, if I was a betting man, I would bet that it is uh, Tyler Sagan and no one else on the uh, Pacific, on the uh, Central Division team for the Stars. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that sounds about right. I think that's uh, no one. I think there's uh, just not enough. Uh, with how they do the how they do the teams now, there's just not enough other opportunities, and there's you've got to give a couple. It's weird to think, but I mean Minnesota. You'll in the Central Division, you'll probably have what Minnesota. You'll probably have a couple guys from that team. Uh, uh yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't really know that anyone on their team is really. Oh, I mean you'll ex- you'll have Dubnik will be on the Dubnik for sure. Dubnik will be on the team, but. Maybe maybe they give Stahl a spot on the team for team success, which is kind of... Uh, yeah, I don't... Mm, I mean, he hasn't been bad this year, but I'm... I, I mean, I could I could kind of see Eric Stahl. I, you could definitely make an argument for him, but other than that, I think it's just really Dubnik. Yeah. They have a lot of guys who are playing pretty well this year. They Charlie do. Charlie Quill's having a good year. I mean, no one's really having... I, if you look at their up and down their roster, and there's no one who's really having an all-star, quote unquote, type season other than Devin Dubnik, who's having a more than all-star type season. <laughs> but they have some good. They have guys who are playing. Charlie Coyles, I think, on pace to have his best year of his career, by far. Yeah. Uh, what's his nuts? Michael Granlin is finally. I took him in fantasy last year, fully expecting him to have a breakout year, and it never really happened. But he's having a good year too. My Vegas boy, Jason Zucker. There you go. The uh, the other thing, speaking of Vegas and uh, league-wide things, which is interesting, and something I saw a little bit earlier. And I'm not a big, I'm not a big Jersey buff like some other people. But the fact, did you see the thing there uh, with the change over to Adidas officially as the uh, designing company? There will be no alternate jerseys next year. Yes, I did see that, and. At first, I was like, why are you doing this? But then they said it's just for next year, and it's just so Adidas can get their stuff together with the regular jerseys, and it made kind of sense. I w- Hopefully, that means that they're going to be putting effort into making a third jersey for every team, because I desperately want to see a Dallas Stars third jersey. What layout would you like to see of the Stars third jersey? I'm, I'm curious. Just like how, like Obviously, this is a podcast, so we can't visually draw this, but... Uh, if you look, if you just go right now, are you, you're on your computer. Go go just Google Dallas Stars third jerseys. 
and if everyone's listening, just follow, just follow along with me. Here. Just follow along. Because there's a couple of really cool concepts. Am I going that, to am I going to Google Images or? Well, just Google it and then click on Images. Okay. Oh, maybe not because these are all. Oh, here we go. There's one right here. It's um, it has the 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 Texas, like the state of Texas with the big D in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. It's black and it has silver, green, and white stripes on the sleeve, like about halfway up, and then the bottom half of the sleeves is victory green oh, okay i'm seeing it now the one it's the sagan jersey in the picture yes. right okay that if that i would buy that that is a cool jersey the uh that and did you see the uh warm-up jersey the texas stars wore the other night yeah the the star wars one, one. yeah the star wars one yeah i would i would that love to see something i would love to see something like that if, if, if anyone hasn't go take a look at the uh uh Take a look at wrong side of the red line. There's a story on the Texas Stars game from Friday night, and look at the jersey Patrick Nemeth is wearing. I'd love to see if you could take that and if you just change the logo just to maybe yeah. that, maybe just that uh, that circle logo that they have at center ice, maybe yes. something like that. That would look. Yes, I saw I saw one. It wasn't. I don't know what happened to it, but it was also on Google Images. It was basically it had that circle logo too. I don't know if it was the same jersey, like the same design as that mm-hmm. one jersey was, but yeah, something like that would be cool. Like. I like the black jerseys, but when there's not trying to like overcomplicate this or anything like that, but when it's not like their old black jerseys where it's just like black Dallas and then two stripes. It was like a foot. It looked like a football uniform. The old one. Yeah. Like black, like black, the, the base color black can be really cool on hockey jerseys. If you do it well and you put some effort into making it look good, those jerseys were just like, it was basically because they switched to Reebok, and and it was like Reebok decided that the old look that they had with the star like cut into the jersey, it mm-hmm. is, it's like they decided that that wasn't going to work with that jersey style. So they're just like, ah, screw it. We're just going to throw this out there and see what happens. The other interesting thing, just with the whole third jersey thing, and I really actually like this one that you showed me here, the uh, the one with the black and the green, and I'd like my, I like the idea of potentially taking that idea that maybe the uh, – the Texas Stars had for that warm up, that start, that Rogue One warm up, just taking something like that. Um, the other I think that interested me, and I didn't see the asterisk, and maybe I was just missing the asterisk in these reports. Was aren't Winter Classic jerseys third jerseys? Yeah, technically. Like yeah. so, I just I mean, I'm, I'm curious. Just for example, we take a look at uh, the Stars played St. Louis the other night, and you want to sell the hell out of those Winter Classic jerseys, right? Yeah. And so. The Blues wore their Winter Classic jerseys again against the Stars the other night on Saturday. Yeah, that's technically a third jersey. I, I, I know I'm getting nitpicky, and may, maybe, and this is just a report. There hasn't been a, anything out about that, but it just seems it's. Uh, those are just kind of the questions that pop into my mind, which is a dangerous place to go. But right. <laughs> um, one thing I'm curious about is I saw this a couple months ago that um, with the Adidas Fanatics partnership that. If you buy just like a replica jersey from NHL.com, it's not going to have the Adidas insignia on it. It's going to say Fanatics on it. I don't know if that's been confirmed or debunked. Really? But I'm sure I don't – like I'm not ponying up $300 to buy an authentic jersey just to get Adidas on it. And I don't want Fanatics markup on a jersey that I buy. I don't know if that's been confirmed or not. but Yeah. I did. Was, I think it might have just been a conspiracy theory be just based – someone read too much into it that they saw the uh like when the nhl show when they did that press release with just like the black nhl jersey that adidas had mocked up 
that it just showed the front end. It didn't show the back. And that was some conspiracy. I don't know. I guess we'll find out in a couple months, but... Yeah, stars aren't in this situation, but there's a couple teams that I think, for example, uh, Edmonton should ex- should say that okay, well, we're going to make our alternate our our actual jersey then. Yeah, right, exactly. Or because uh, Minnesota has because Minnesota's home jersey is technically that red one, right? Yeah, well, that's what that was. What the re- article I read too was that it was, um, I think it was I think Fox Sports regurgitated Russo's original report, mm-hmm. and he was basically talking about how then the Wild had to decide if they wanted to make green or red their the green jersey or their red jersey their primary jersey. Mm-hmm. I would make the and if I'm making that decision, it's a no brainer to me make the green one. But I love their green jersey. Yeah, it's a. I think that's what he said. The way they were leaning. Yeah, it's a. It's a. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that because I think there's a. There's a couple. Uh, there's a couple uh, teams that I think would be, and I grew so I grew up in grew, I grew up in New Jersey and watched the Devils all the time growing up, and they're a team that never had a third jersey, and they're a team that still has never had a third jersey. They occasionally wear the old uh, one with the green trim that they that from when they first came to New Jersey. Um, but I always thought that was a team that would have been looked good if they had a black jersey, just because. Yes. Like we're talking about third jerseys, and and Lou Lamorello is no longer there to uh, to. Uh, I actually have a good Lou Lamorello story. I want to end this on. Okay. A good good way to end how how certain a how how tight ship the uh, how tight shipped the uh, everything runs for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I was. Last season, I was speaking to someone who works for the Maple Leafs, and I asked them if uh, I asked them if I could could do a quick interview with them. I asked them if it was for whatever reason. Um, I was still covering that this. This didn't happen this season. This happened last season when I was covering the Texas Stars, talking to a person who um, was was there and. and Work for the Maple Leafs, and I asked them if I could do an interview with them, and the answer was would love to. However, it's not worth me running that all the way up through our PR department, which would then have to clear it with Lou with with Lou directly. <laughs> Jeez. So, if you want an idea of how tight that ship is run, um, and so it's uh, that is what. Uh, that is how, that, that, that's why that organization has zero leaks, if you're ever wondering. <laughs> so, right. so, I guess, can we end on, have you heard the star's latest plane snafu? Yes, I've heard the star's latest plane snafu. I, I believe it was the same plane that didn't make it to Arizona. Jesus. <laughs> they might want to just retire that plane, man. Yeah, I believe they, I believe they share that plane with the Rangers. I think I'd have to double check that. Don't hold me to that, but I believe uh, I believe them and the Rangers share a plane. Either it's either them and the Rangers or them or the Rangers and Mavericks share a plane. One of the, the Rangers share a plane with one of the teams because the seasons don't overlap like that often. Um, so, but yeah, the late we we, we went all over plane uh, plane fun travel stories earlier in the podcast. With if anyone. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that was a fun listen for other people, but yeah, that's a. That's that a, wasn't even like a airport delay. That was an oh shit, we might die thing. Yeah. Basically, if you haven't heard, because I didn't hear about it until literally five minutes into this podcast when it just popped up on Twitter, 
the stars took off from St. Louis and they weren't getting altitude. So the pilots sharp cut back and they emergency landed back in St. Louis because he thought he smelled fire in the cockpit. So the fire department met them out on the runway and they just determined it was smoke. And they were stuck at the St. Louis airport for four hours while they waited for another plane to come in and take them to LA. Well, for a team that has the long, pretty much has one of the, uh, the longest travel arrangements in the NHL based in terms of miles flown throughout the course of the season. They sure do have some real crappy luck with airplanes. They do. They do. I, I always find stars, uh, stars games funny too, just for the conflicting, uh, battle for airline airtime. Um, because I think there's, uh, I think Southwest sponsors part of the broadcast. I think, um, uh, I think there's another airline that sponsors something in the game, and then it's at the American Airlines Center. Like, <laughs> yeah, South, Southwest doesn't even fly into DFW; they go straight to left field. Yep, it's uh, there's a narrative there. So actually, and I'll end this on this. And you're listening on on Monday, so this point could be completely. Uh, I may edit this part out if they lose tonight. <laughs> <laughs> The last time they had plane issues, they went to Arizona and they won, and Radic Fox fought Mike Smith. So, and then laughed in Mike Smith's face. Yes. So, it's I been twice now in the last week or so that someone's laughed in the face of an opposing player. That's true. So, based off current trends that are always held true, since there was travel complications, and this one was slightly different since Tyler Sagan was already with the team. Um, since there are travel complications to LA, we can be almost sure that there will be the Stars will win the game somehow three to two, and Peter Budai and Radic Fox will get in a fight. So, <laughs> if it's Peter Budai, I mean, I, th- I think he's in goal tonight. I mean, if it seems like he's the only one that that Sutter's trusts after Quick got injured. Yeah, so we'll see. If they if they win tonight, then they're going to have to have plane troubles before every game. Yeah, if they, if they win tonight, then you're still. This made it through. This audio didn't get deleted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, everyone, thanks again for listening. Um, please uh, continue to listen and subscribe. And everyone, have a great week.